And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dorothy. Donna Dorothy. Donna Dorothy. This is Lee Dorothy and I'm Donna Dunk. This is Lee Dorothy and I'm Donna Dorothy. I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hilson and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Basley and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Crackling Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me today, on Wednesday, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? It's Happy uh, Wednesday. It's been it's been a week. It's been a been a, a good yeah, week. It's been. <laughs> it's been it's been a good week for for the Thunder. They rebounded after that just debacle of a game in Memphis to do what they've done all season, where th- this isn't the first time this team has looked horrific in the first half. I that that Lakers game at home. I mm. remember looking over at somebody at halftime and just be like, man, this is this is about as bad as a team can play. And they came back and won the game. They did it against the Kings, they did it against the Spurs, and they did it again against the Pistons where they kind of had to recalibrate. And even some of it was just like crazy hot shooting from the Pistons that they had to rebound from. Yeah. But they stuck with it. They played solid defense, and they just continued to get downhill. And they pulled the game out. It was really quite impressive. Then they, then the Pistons had to deal with the thunder shot making in the fourth quarter where they just didn't miss. I, yeah, the second half was so impressive and I think it was needed. Like I I know we want a high pick and everything, but you have to like within that organization, I have to imagine those guys want to come out and respond after the Memphis game. No doubt. Because it, it was so bad. You want to, you want to, it's not like you're going to save any face because that's a record. It's always going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. But you just want to show people like, hey, that's not what we're actually like. And this was the perfect opportunity to do it because you're playing a team like Detroit. And so when they came out and were so flat, I was really getting worried. Like, what is going on with this team? And to see them come out in that second half, and a lot of it was Kendrick Williams. A lot of it was Dort shooting 5 of 10 from 3. I looked yep. it up. Yep. Andrew, check this out. In his last 12 games, Dort is shooting 40% from three. Yeah. If, if you take out the first five games of the season, just the first five when he was five of 25, he was terrible. If you take out those games, he's shooting 36% on the season on eight attempts per game. <laughs> like that, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. If, if, this, if this continues, and so his overall average now is right about where it was last year. It's about 33.5%. We'll round up to 34%. That's still uh, like... Way better than what we could or would have ever expected on that kind of volume. Right. And you combine that with his newfound finishing, which wasn't necessarily there against Detroit, but has been there the rest of the season. And now, like, you know, his points per game average is at 17 points per game right now. Like, that's starting to look real Mm -hmm. and not just like a a good stats, bad team guy because because of the way he's doing it. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm excited about that. On a team that has, some more like maybe two or three like good scores on it to go with yeah. the squad. Like the fact that you feel comfortable saying like he can be the best defender and average like 12 points a game. Like I feel That's very, fair. I feel very confident in that. And the thunder, honestly, I mean, you, you kind of like think about the, the, the first like championship level team and he's like the Serge Ibaka level player, right? Like for the squad oh, man, already. Wow. You know what I mean? You think he's that good? Do you not? I don't know. Prime Surge was like 
I mean, he was he was special. You don't think Dort is special? I do think Dort is special. I don't know if I'm ready to put him in the prime Serge Ibaka. Like he's like 22. He can, he's 22. I I know. I know. I just I'm I'm, I'm going to hold off on that. Could could he be the fourth best player on this team when they're good? Yes. Yeah. Is he going to be as good as prime Ibaka? I don't know. Peaky Baka. Peaky Baka. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> been a long time since I've heard that. I know. It's been a long time since we're talking about Peaky Baka. Peaky Baka. I, <laughs> I think he can do it. I honestly do. Because think about the improvements that we've seen from him from day one. He started with the blue. The first place I interviewed him at was at the Dog Food Factory Thunder Practice Facility. Yeah. And he was there practicing with the blue. And hadn't played a game yet for the Thunder. And he was just like, yeah, I, I'm just looking for a shot. And to go from that to this, I mean, if you were to, if, on draft night, we were like, yeah, they signed this guy that, you know, kind of off the scrap heap. He was supposed to be a first round pick and fell because he can't shoot. Like, man, hey, listen, when he's 22, he's going to be 17 points, four boards, almost two assists, shooting 43% from the field, 34% from three. I'd be like, you're yeah. yeah, you're nuts. Like that's nuts. And and we've seen with uh players like Bayes, who I actually thought played well against Detroit, but can like that's hard ba- to can do. We lift the band for one pot for one pod? Is that for one pod. Uh, yeah, let's say on the Monday or Wednesday pods, I, I can say Bayes. I haven't banned uh talk of Bayes. But <laughs> like what Dort's doing is not like anyone can do it. Like the the good stats bad team guy is kind of what we saw last year from Bays where it was he was getting stats but he was doing it very inefficiently from Bays from Poku from you yeah know, Ty from, Jerome like, like all those guys on, right well not Ty Jerome take that back but <laughs> with Dort Teo? it just feels everything is sustainable if the finishing at the rim is real yeah everything feels sustainable. Yeah, because it's not like he's shooting like wild. It's not like at the beginning of last year when he was shooting like forty five percent. Yeah, like no. this is probably a, a more normal situation for him. And again, like if we just remove those first five games, which I know you shouldn't do, but still, if he just continues what he is, you could see him being at like thirty six percent by the end of the season, and that wouldn't be crazy. Yeah. yeah. So that that was the one thing. The other thing. I wanted to say was about Shea, Mm -hmm. how that was one of the most like heliocentric versions of the, this version of the thunder that we've seen. Mm -hmm. He, and and I looked it up because I wanted to check his usage in that game. Did you know his last two games, Detroit and Houston, both are in the top five for his career in terms of usage. Wow. He had like a 39 usage in the game against Houston and he had like a 36, Five or 36 usage against Detroit. And usage does not even take into account assists. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was his best assist game in his career against Detroit. That was just like a, a Luca level, Trey level game from Shea, where he is just like completely dominating everything. And I thought that was really interesting because of how good it looked, especially in the second half. Like the way he was breaking down the defense, kicking out to shooters. Actually, Dort was hitting shots. He was, he had some really nice passes to cutters. Yep. Like I just thought it was an incredible game from Shea. And it's just an interesting setup because coming into the season, we know we have Josh Giddy, And early in the season, it felt like they were kind of at the same level in terms of who's going to be the playmaker on this team. And at least for these last couple games, it has been when when they've both been on the court, it is Shea like dominating. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll see how that develops going forward. But at least for this game and the Houston game, it was the Shea show the entire way. Yeah. When he can drive that many times during a game and get to the spots that he wants to go, I mean, that's the kind of player that he is. And that's the player he's going to continue to be. I mean, he said, I asked him after the game, because he only took two threes in that whole game. Like, was that intentional? Were you just, you know, taking what the defense was giving you? Like, give me a, give me a reason why. He played like that, and he said that he really was intentional about getting downhill the whole game. He's like, he yeah. didn't, he was going to fight through whatever. And he, I mean, he was on pace to, like, 
completely eclipse, you know, his free throw record in a game and slowed down toward the end of the game and also like the Pistons stopped fouling him. But like that was really impressive. Dort's five threes were really impressive. I, I asked Mark about Dort after the game. And he said like nothing that he does surprises him anymore. That he just is that hard of a worker, that he puts in the time and that, you know, the kind of shooter that he's become is he said he's not he said it doesn't surprise him at all just watching the way that he works on his shot. So I don't know, man. And you, and you, find, you found out afterwards uh, how good of friends Shay and Dort are. I didn't know they lived down the street from each other. Yeah. That's fun. Best buds. That's some Thunder You vibes yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. There's some Thunder You there. Definitely. Yeah, with those two. And then number seven played better in that game. He did play better as far as defensively goes. He had some nice blocks which I think is something that he's going to continue to contribute to this team. He's really the only shot blocker on the team at all, which gives him like some value when he's out there. Poku would be the other one. Poku's got good timing. He actually had a really nice block in that game as well. And Poku actually played a nice, solid game. He had that the one move to the basket where he finished, and... It was cool, and then he just kind of played solid the rest of his minutes. I thought he probably deserved a little bit more time than he got. But as far as blocks go, I mean, he's the only player on the team averaging at least a block a game. The only the other guy is Paul Watson, but he's played just no minutes at all. Um, everybody else is either, I mean, Shea's at like .7, Giddy .6, Mascala .6, Poku .5. Like, nobody else is averaging hardly any blocks per game. I'm actually interested to see. Yeah. Okay, I'm back. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, Darius is one and a half blocks per 36. Poku is 1.2. I was curious how close they would be just because Dar- he's gotten so much, so many yeah. more minutes. And uh, the, the, the Bay's blocks, I mean, one of them was like just a regular block underneath the basket, but mm-hmm. the other two, like he blocked Cade on a three-point attempt, and yeah. then he blocked Isaiah Stewart on like a mid-range fall away. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's And I would, very I would say for, for both Giddy and Bay's, the way they scored in that game mm-hmm. was very good. Like for Giddy, we've talked about it, like his, his shot is not there right now. Yep. And he also has trouble breaking down a defense when it's just him isoing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he actually had four turnovers in this game, and a lot of those came when he was trying to do that. But when he did score, two of them came off of him cutting to the basket from the corner. Awesome. The other two came from him getting like a dribble handoff and going downhill and, and scoring at the basket. Yep. Great. Like those are the two ways that he is probably – it's going to be easiest for him to score right now. And as a result, he was five of six. And that one miss was when Shea passed it to him when there was like one second left on the clock and you just mm-hmm. had to throw it up. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. And same with Bays, like his two misses, predictably a three and then him trying to, you know, do one of his ISO drives from three point line that never work out. But all his other ones, I mean, it's only three shots, but you know, it's him cutting, it's him finding space it's him just being a good play finisher, kind of like Kenrich does all the time. Like that, that is what Kenrich is so good at. Yeah. And so you can imagine a scenario where if Bayes just accepted that role and was just focused on that stuff because he is a good rebounder, his his shot blocking seems completely legit. If he could develop into a above average defender, you know, I don't know if he's a starter on a good team, but he could be an like eighth man off the bench that brings you energy and and that kind of stuff. So. You know, I'm, that's where I am with Bays right right now on Wednesday, December eighth. Yeah, after just, weeks of bad games, he had like a decent game. So I'm, <laughs> after, I'm trying to be after I'm trying to be a little nice after sustain. Just, <laughs> I mean, he. I was so disappointed with him. We talked about it Friday. I was so disappointed with how he played against Memphis. I mean, that was that was a debacle. Well, the, yeah, the worst part about that Memphis game was that they scored five points in the fourth quarter, like. The rest of the game, fine. You're getting blown out by 50 or 60. At some point in the fourth quarter, you got to find out what the record is, and you have to put up more than five points in the fourth quarter. Hey, you didn't answer my question from Twitter. Who is the worst player in Thunder history Mm -hmm. 
who you could add to this current team. You get them at their OKC peak, mm-hmm. and they would have they would have prevented the worst loss in NBA history. Hmm. You get them for one game. So you think about it, you're only having to save like you know eight points or whatever it was. I, I don't know how much they broke the record by. Was it only five? Yeah. So you don't. They don't have to do a ton. Hami. Hami. I mean, he would definitely bring some energy. Is he the worst though? Can you get worse than Hami and still oh, worse prevent than Hami? It? Uh, some names people threw out, which I think are correct. Like Moses Brown, probably get you there. Does get he? you over the line? I think he probably does. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think it would have taken much. Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Eton, I, I, I heard some Eton Thomases. A lot what, of people what is were Eton saying, Thomas doing? In, not all, I, that is bull. I don't believe that one. Get out a, of here a with couple, that. Now, so that's the two strategies. You either just get someone who's good at defense to stop a few shots, or you go, I'm just going to grab a, the best shooter I can because if they make three threes, then you don't have to worry about it. So it's like yeah. Anthony Morrow, Daquan Cook. Like, yeah. Just grab one of those. Yeah, those make sense. Abrinas. Um yeah, maybe if you get TLC on the right night. Whoa, whoa, that's risky, Andrew. <laughs> that's like uh, John Hamm saying he he picked DeAndre Liggins. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got to not be in prison. He's number one. Smashing Which people made with me Xboxes. Th- made me think of uh, Kyle Weaver because Kyle Weaver was like the better version of DeAndre Liggins. Yeah, I mean, I like Kyle Weaver, but I th- th- I wouldn't. I would not put him on that list. I would not put him can, on that list. Can, can you imagine if Kyle Weaver was on the team today, how crazy we'd be going for him? We were going crazy for Kyle Weaver. I yeah. love Kyle Weaver. What did Kyle Weaver do while he was here? I mean, I just want to even look because I, I'm not, I'm not certain how much he you haven't did. thought about Kyle Weaver in a long time. Uh, he averaged five points a game. Yeah. In 20 minutes. He was 34% from three on 1.7 attempts. Honestly, solid. Uh, Should we bring him back? Year two, he only played 12 games. (laughs) He got the Teo treatment. Uh, He played five games for Utah, and then he was done. Oh, by the way, uh, I just brought up Teo. Yeah. So I was was looking... I was I was trying to see what Shea's usage was, you know, in these past few games. I was comparing it to last season to see where it ranked. And uh, one of the games that I found, mm-hmm. not for Shea, was Teo. Because you, you see a lot of guys who had like 40% usage, like Justin Jackson, and they played like seven minutes or whatever. Yeah. But there was a game from Teo last year where he had like a 39% usage. Wow. In in 36 minutes, and it was a game against the Suns in which they lost by 37. Wow. thought that was interesting. Good, good uh, reminiscing about last year's basketball, Thunder basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Weaver once scored 19 points in a game. Maybe that's – he had like this stretch where he went 19, 16, 4, 8, 18, 12, 13, 10. That must have we been, would have been going nuts, That Andrew. must have been the stretch where we were like, you know what? I really like Kyle, Kyle Weaver's a guy. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. He had three threes against the Lakers. February Let's just go 24th. through all of his game logs. You want to? All right. Game one. <laughs> he put up almost, he almost put up a Mario here. He had one assist in one minute. That's it. He was a, he was number five, right? Uh, I believe that's correct. Yes. Kyle Big Weaver. Fan. Um, yeah, so anyways, they play the uh, Raptors tonight. OG Ananobi is out, so it is entirely possible that the Thunder could win another game. The, the Raptors have not been impressive as of late, and now they're missing Ananobi. Uh, Andrew is leaving, which means you get the Al Baby Cake Show. Andrew is gone. Send your questions in. Send your questions in. Um, we have, uh, we have a, a listener from Poland. Welcome. Oh, there's Andrew's entire family walking across the screen. Um, in terms of the tank currently, the Thunder, you know, they, they obviously took a hit with the win. They're now behind New Orleans. So they're in the fourth spot. We have New Orleans, Orlando, and Detroit. Detroit and Orlando, especially if you look at Kirk Goldsberry's uh, uh, chart and the, the Thunder are always in that bottom quadrant, 
they are clumped right next to Detroit and Orlando. All those teams are basically equal in terms of how they've performed. It just so happens that OKC has a couple more wins than them. I don't know what the answer for either of those teams is. I kind of have more faith in Detroit over Orlando simply because they they should be better. And you read their fan comments, and they're like not necessarily happy about what's going on right now. I mean, they obviously... Detroit fans want a high pick, yeah. but at the same time, you want to see development from the rest of this team. And Sadiq Bay has not been good this year. Yeah, Jeremy Grant has not been good this year. Like, it, especially if you compare him to last year, where we we're talking about like all star buzz for Jeremy Grant. Ooh, should they flip him right now? Maybe they could actually get something. Oh, this was a good signing. Now it doesn't feel that way. Cade obviously looks good, but I, I just. That team should be better, and I don't know if a coaching change is going to happen. That's like what all the Pistons fans talk about. If you go and like click on tweets about yeah. that game and read the comments, they all want to get rid of Dwayne Casey. Jeremy's averaging like twenty points and five boards and almost in two and a half assists a game, stealing a block. It's not good. <laughs> not good enough, Andrew. <laughs> He's shooting thirty-two point eight percent from three. Yeah, that's Jeremy though. It's not. When he was in OKC, shot 39%. When he's in Denver, 39%. Last year, increases volume, dropped to 35%. Yeah. If he's now a 32% shooter... I'm not, I'm not bothered by that. I think he's like the ultimate good stats, bad team guy. Oh, wow. I really don't think that at all about Jeremy. I, I, think, he's I, like, absolutely I think he's legit. Think I think he's like he could contribute on a, on a really good team. As a what? As a four. As the fourth best player on the lineup. Sure. Yeah, so these stats he's putting up aren't real because you would never use them in a winning situation. He's not a winning player when he's playing like this. I don't know, man. I think that's, They're, they're I think one that's of the worst harsh. teams over the last three years. Check this out. In their last 161 games, they've won 44 games yeah. total. When the process started, the Sixers process, in their first 161 games, mm-hmm. they won 37 games. So it's like Detroit is seven games above the awful in NBA history process tank. Like they are a truly awful team. Yeah, they are. And they they do not get thought about that way. So the fact that Jeremy Grant's putting up stats for this team that has four wins and can't beat Oklahoma City, who was blown out by 73 points, <laughs> like, dude, that's not impressive. I'm not, but I'm, I just don't think it's Jeremy's fault. I think the rest of the roster is pretty bad. Now, I'm not saying that he could, like, Jeremy could go be a 20-point scorer on a good team. I think he could be, like, a 13-point scorer on a good team. Like, he was great for the Nuggets. Like, he was really good for them. They he wanted, was they playing as like their fourth best player. Yeah, that's what he is. I'm just saying, like that's still he can still be a winning player. He's just not. He can be a winning player. He's not right now playing like this. I don't see what this is doing for him. Like, if you're a team out there, mm-hmm. you're not trading for him because he's playing like this. You're not saying, "Ooh, I want to just directly translate that onto my team, and we're going to shoot off to the top of the standings." <laughs> you're. I did not know you were such a Jeremy Grant hater. I just. I don't like the way. Detroit's rebuild gets talked about where yeah. like they they get credit for signing all these veterans. No, I and we're supposed to be impressed by it. Yeah. And then they they win four games. Yeah, yeah. Like who cares? Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. And then like you whiff the on the Killian Hayes pick. Whiff. You know, like that's it's bad. Like he is not a good player. But even beyond that, like he's just not a good backcourt mate. For Cade right now, like I don't, the fact yeah, that, I don't know why they keep trying to force it because it's because they 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 are prioritizing losing, yeah, secretly, secretly because they have these shiny objects like Jeremy Grant that they're dangling in front of the NBA and everyone sees that and they're like, oh, this is a legitimate team trying to win. Yeah, no, they're not. They're, it's Troy Weaver. He's a, he's off of the Sam Presti tree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I would agree with you that I don't love the way that other like bad tanking teams are covered, you know, in comparison to OKC. But but you want to trade for Jeremy Grant. But I need Jeremy Grant back on this team right now. <laughs> no, no, the Jeremy Grant stuff is funny because I mean I I even had people popping up in my mentions like, man, I can't believe that we let him go or whatever. Like, listen, they we traded Jeremy Grant for a first round pick. 
to Denver. Denver wanted to keep him. Denver would like to still have him to pair with the Aaron Gordon you know, front court or whatever. And then like you're completely versatile. You've got all these guys that can defend with Jokic. Like it would have been great. They lost him for nothing. For nothing. Because he wanted to go play for an African-American coach in an African-American city with an African-American GM. Like OKC is like, is none of those things. <laughs> like all three, like doesn't check any of those boxes. So like what makes the people that would have loved to keep Jeremy Grant think that Jeremy would have just stayed here because if Troy Weaver still goes to Detroit, like that's the situation where he goes. I mean, they also have the Syracuse tie. So I think even if the Thunder didn't trade him, he would have probably gone on to Detroit anyways. And the Thunder left high and dry. So like, don't try to rehash that one thinking that Thunder were just going to magically keep him as an unrestricted free agent. I think they saw the writing on the wall and did the right thing. Yeah. It, it, I mean, looking back, that pick became one of the picks that was traded uh, for Poku. Yeah. It became Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. Um, it's, just another, it's just another opportunity, another swing, just to have that you wouldn't yeah, have. Yeah, no. I, I would say if they had kept the OKC team together, obviously I would have loved Jeremy to stay because sure. I thought in that role he was awesome. I mean, the, the best versions of the OK3 um, team mm-hmm. was actually when Melo was not playing and when Jeremy was in there with Steven yeah. Adams. Yeah. And when he was shooting 39% from three mm-hmm. as a front court mate with Steven Adams, like you really started to believe like, whoa, this team could be something. Yeah, definitely. So... Yes, I'll always like him for that reason. Not impressed by what he's doing on a four-win Detroit Pistons team. Don't care. It's meaningless. <laughs> Has no meaning. Oh, man. Uh, what did you think of Poku's play? I thought that he was pretty good in his limited minutes against Detroit. I mean, it was like 11 minutes. He, had, he had, obviously had the one highlight. He had the one highlight, was, but I thought, I mean, he had a block. I thought he played really well. I thought he earned more minutes. <laughs> I mean, he won't. I don't think he's going to get more minutes. He will. He will eventually. He will get more minutes this season. That will, it will I mean, happen. The, but but like, what is the path to more minutes? Like, who are you cutting down? Because you either have to start playing Bays at the five. Because a lot of the minutes that are obvious to cut for me, it's like, well, Favors and Mike Muscala played thirty-one minutes combined in that game against yeah. Detroit. Yeah, you yeah. probably don't need them playing thirty-one combined minutes. But at the same time, it's like, well, who are you going to play? At the five, like you have JRE, but who else? Like, unless you're going, unless you're willing to play Bays at the five, where mm-hmm. are you opening these minutes for Poku? You got to take minutes away from someone. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just know that they're wanting to try a bunch of stuff all season. And you want him to play six guys? Hmm. You want him to play six guys at one time on the court <laughs> to get Poku some extra run? I mean, we've you, Andrew. You got to choose who you want to cut. Whose minutes are you cutting, Andrew? Number seven. Number, Number seven. seven. I mean, if you cut Bays down to like, which honestly he, he's been playing kind of like this, but if you cut him down to like 20 yeah. minutes a game. Yeah. Cool. Do that. But honestly, even in games when he's been playing 20 minutes, it's not like Poku's been getting 20. I'm he's still say- getting like 15 or less. Yeah, I'm just saying that I think that he should get the minutes that's all he probably should and they obviously have a very specific plan with poku i get that a secret plan but i would like to know what it would look like if you gave him give him just like three weeks of just 20 minutes a game and just see what we can get because it can't be that much worse than what number seven has given us right over the last three weeks no it can't I, I don't think they're going to cut Kenrich's minutes though. So like it, it's, they, I don't know. They did last year. They cut they cut some of his minutes last year. I don't know. I'm not convinced that they won't do that. I, there's the thing about this team and the way that they've handled everything is like, there's no status quo. There's not like okay now we're settled in and this is where it's everything's going to go for the next you know sixty games. Like that's that's not how it's been all season. Aaron Wiggins started a game. (laughs) 
you know, and then like they sent him back to the blue. And yeah. I just, I mean, things are going to change. We're going to get some bit crutchy thunder minutes this season. Like that's going to happen at some point. So, and at some point they're going to give Poku a, a better look. And yeah. I don't know what he has to do to get there, but it's eventually they're going to, it's going to happen. Like I just, how, how no much doubt. of that do you think will be dictated by what, what's going on in the, the rest of the standings? Because, you know, we t- like tonight, they could easily beat the Raptors without Ananobi. So that would get them to eight wins. All of a sudden, they're four wins ahead of Orlando. Mm-hmm. Like, is that what's going to be driving it? Maybe. Perhaps. I mean, if you, I, I, if you I, cut I do think the experience would, level down, you, like you cut, like Kenrich, like just anybody that's 26 and older, just kind of stop playing them. Yeah. You know? Uh, like part of it, I think, will still just work itself out. I mean, Detroit's not good. They're not. They're good. not good. And you talked about other times that uh, OKC has had games like that. It was like against the Kings. It was against the Lakers. Like teams that at that time were bad. Mm-hmm. They're bad, bad teams. So I, I still think it's all going to work itself out in the end. I'm still not like worried at yeah. all. Yeah, I'm not worried at all. Like. Zero percent worried. Zero percent worried. Zero percent worried. But I, I will say, mm-hmm. they they need a star <laughs> so bad. The and if they don't, yes. Yeah. And if they don't get one, like the longer they go without drafting a bona fide star mm-hmm. on the level of like guys this year. You know, I'd I'd say like Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham. Sure. You know, if you want to throw Scotty Barnes in, sure. But like those top two guys, if if I if those were on my team, I would be like, this is a foundational piece. Yeah. Like top two player on my team. Yeah. The longer they go without getting that guy, the more worried I am going to get that they are eventually just going to be capped in terms of their ceiling. Yeah, I mean, this is why you do this is why you do what they're doing, so that you can go get one of those guys. Because you, know. you look at like when we think there's going to be start being competitive. Mm-hmm. Would you say like 2024, 2025? Yeah, I mean that's extremely reasonable, if not like overly patient. But yeah, like don't you think that Memphis is aiming for that same exact time zone? And, I, I mean, and Memphis are, wants to be good today. I, no, they don't because they wouldn't have traded for Zaire Williams. They're not maximizing their now. Uh, I don't, I mean, I think they want to be in the play in again. Maybe they do, but like, my point is like, they are way far ahead of OKC's schedule right now to be good in 24, 25. Yeah. The Thunder rebuild just started. No, I know, but I'm saying like, they're already like on their way there. We're aiming for that same time zone to be good because by that time, like Shea's going to be 27, 28. I disagree. I think Memphis is what is... I, I don't think Memphis is aiming for that. I think Memphis is aiming for they want to be competitive like right away. I, I, I mean, they want to be competitive, but they don't make that Zaire Williams trade if they're like that concerned about making the playoffs this I mean, year. There's been very few like, I mean, they had like a middling draft pick. They traded up. I don't know. I mean, they're also their draft history isn't like crazy stellar and also they needed to take a swing at some point because they've they've just drafted like solid players all over the board like they just they needed to take a swing somewhere we say that but like desmond bain looks like he's going to be like a top three or four player on a good team like you talk about their drafting look at okc's drafting like who on this team do you really believe in i believe in three guys shea dort and giddy the rest of them, yeah. like, I don't actually, I mean, I'm rooting for them to be good. I hope they are good. Yeah, I believe I'm not locked in on. Yeah, I mean, sure. But I, I like, I only feel good about three of them. Like, I, I think if you go back and look at Presti's recent draft history, it's not stellar. It's not, it's not like we have all of these guys that we're like desperately trying to find minutes for. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, how many drafts are we talking? Three? Two? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that they've done 
done if I mean this last draft went a lot better than what we thought it would go. We say that, but like for me, that's just talking about Giddy. Like, how, how can we really make a a conclusion on any of these other guys? I don't understand why, why you're discounting Jeremiah so much. I'm not discounting him. It's just like, I mean, you're saying yes, he's like a, you don't believe in him. I mean, that's uh, that's about as discounting as it gets. No, it's not that I don't believe in him. It's that what is that player going forward? Like, why? Are, what are you actually excited about? Like, you think he's going to be a future starting center on the team? I think he's a rotation or you think player. We, or you think we found a bench big? Like, sure, okay, we found a bench big. He's a good. Pl- he's extremely versatile as a big man. Like, extremely versatile. Like those guys are, can can be tough to find. That can move their feet on the perimeter. That are strong enough in the post. And then the shooting stuff has been more impressive than I thought it would be. You know, he's. I, I've been very impressed with him as a player. That's fine. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I don't understand. What's your point? I'm just trying to be realistic as much as I can be because I know that every other fan base feels this exact same way about their draft picks, about their young guys. Everyone does. Every fan base looks at their young guys and thinks that they did an awesome job drafting yeah. and all their guys are going to hit their ceiling. And so... Thunder fans are no different. We believe the same thing. We saw nine minutes of Aaron Wiggins in an NBA game, and he got a couple rebounds, and we're like, wow, Presti did it again. The 55th pick. How does he do it? Keeps getting value. And I'm just trying to be a little bit more realistic and say the really the only guy I feel confident about right this second is Josh Giddey. But that's, but that's the one they had to hit on. I, I completely agree. But I also don't think of Josh Giddy in the Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley tier. Because he was drafted sixth. I know. I'm just saying they have to get actually good players. Not this, these players where I'm like, ooh, maybe we got a bench big. Ooh, maybe we got a 10th man. Getting those players come off the bench. Is, is important. Like drafting quality rotation players is important because of the free agent market like finding a a player like the best player the thunder have ever brought in via free agency is new orleans noel probably right like that's probably the i would say moro i would say moro even moro like okay but listen (laughs) drafting those kind of guys that can be quality rotation players is really important to an oklahoma city thunder team and yes they had one they had one quality pick in the draft one right and they did a good job with it great that's year one like that's draft number one of the rebuild let's see what they do in draft number two they need a higher pick in draft number two they need to have a top three pick in draft number two but what and what if they don't because that my assumption going in is that they will not and the reason i say that is because you just look at the odds the most likely scenario is that they won't there is a better chance that they do not have a top three pick even if they got the worst record in the league than if they had than for having a top three pick. The most likely scenario is that they are not going to get Paolo or Chet. They need. I mean, they're going to put themselves in the best position possible to get a top three pick. I believe that that will happen at the end of the day. And I feel like we're all operating on that assumption. Yeah. What happened? And I'm just saying, let's open our mind to the possibility because we just saw it happen in last year's draft. Mm-hmm. What happens if they don't? What happens if they're at four or five? I mean, that's. I mean, it's going to be on Sam and his team to figure out a way to to get those that blue trip talent. I mean, it's the expectation is not set by me. <laughs> like it's not set. That, I think it is by what I'm saying. <laughs> it's set by the the goals that the Thunder organization said that they had, right? Yeah, and so. At that point, they're going to have to figure out where, and and you know, I, we don't know really what happened with regards to like trade discussions in this past draft, or frankly, what their draft board looked like, because they may have had Giddy over Suggs. You know, that's a that's a distinct possibility where they're sitting yeah. there at six, and we're like, oh my gosh, you're right there. What are you doing? Like offer three picks, whatever it takes to get there. We have enough of them. Like offer it, and they're like, no, we had. Maybe they had Josh at four. 
you know, we don't know. Yeah. So it also depends on not only where they are, but what does their draft board look like compared to other teams' draft boards? I mean, it's it's a very complicated conversation, but the the truth of the matter is they need to have better luck in this next lottery. They just need to have better luck than they did. It went about as poorly as it could have last year. They needed to go... If they end up with the third worst record, they need to get the third pick, and they or they need to get some luck and bump up. Like that's, that's that's where they're at, and it's hard whenever it's completely out of your hands because it is completely out of your hands. But, I, uh, they they do need to draft a blue chip player in this next draft. It's a very very important draft. Last year was an important draft. It went about as poorly as possible. They ended up getting one of the better players in the draft. Great. But you got to do it again, and you have to hit on a higher level prospect, and that's why that's why I believe that they're going to hang on for twenty three two, that they're going to try to have a team that is non competitive in the following year, and try to do this again. Like this is why this is why you do it. Like you have to give yourself as many bites of the apple as possible, and eventually you're going to hit. Eventually the Sixers hit. You know, it took eventually some, the magic hit. The magic, the magic tried to be competitive for a long time. They tried. That's, that was one of their problems: is that they kept trying to be competitive, and they, they kept trying to put teams on the court that where they're not getting the top level picks. Like how many years in a row did they did they really really try? Um, I don't know. I don't remember their. I mean, they had the. They had the. I mean, Rob Hennigan had the plug pulled on him pretty quick, where they were like, "No, no, no, you need to go trade Victor Oladipo and your eleventh or twelfth pick or whatever it was for Serge Ibaka. Like, you need to go make a move now." And the good thing about the Thunder's ownership group and their management is that we know that's that's not going to happen. They're not going to say we got to pull the plug on this like immediately. So I yeah. mean, they're. I mean, it's apples to oranges with that situation. I, I think where where I'm, what this is boiling down to for me, why I'm so stressed, is because I actually don't love the roster right now. Like I, I, I look around the league and I see a lot of young guys that I would rather have on this team, or I would rather see them developing in OKC. Like and who? as a result of like, that, what do, you, what do you mean that, when you say that? That, like, what rosters are you talking about? I mean, I, I don't, I don't really want to bring up this guy, but like Shengun, if Shengun was on this team, we would be going crazy, Andrew. We bro, would be going absolutely bro. crazy. I've, I, dude, it, I've watched Shengun up close twice. I don't. I he's he does some fancy stuff, but dude, the the def, the defense stuff. I don't know how much he play for Mark. He was the okay. worst. That's why. Big. That's why I didn't want to bring him up. He was the Fine. worst. He was the worst defensive big on the court the entire night. Yeah. Well, who cares? Who cares? So, uh, so he would have made saying, us like, worse. Why, why is he the first guy that you bring up? That just doesn't make any sense to me. Anyways, like, the, who, but who well, are you talking? About? Like, I just need to know who you're talking about because, like, Shea is really good. Like, yes, Shea's obviously. I said best, Shea, Dorton, best. Giddy. I feel great about. It's year one. What do you need? What else do you need to feel good about? <laughs> Listen, will you let me finish? The whole point is that I don't personally, I don't look at this roster and and think I'm I'm thrilled about it. I think they could bring in three rookies next year that would all get could get potentially get minutes over anyone on the rest of this roster. Definitely, like it's not like anyone has claimed a spot and you're like two months in, like this guy's a lock for minutes going forward. Like we thought that about Teo last year and now he's completely out of the rotation. That could absolutely happen to Trey Mann next year. It could absolutely happen to JRE next year. I don't think that's crazy to say. They could bring in someone who is better than those players next year and all of a sudden is taking their minutes and we're like, oh, wow, I guess that guy wasn't as good as we thought last year. It happens every year. But that would be great to get better players. I know, What's I know, but that's, that? that's, that's my point. Like, I'm just realizing how much of this plan, and I knew this going in, but it's just way more stark to me now, how much of this plan rests on one day with that draft lottery ball, and where's it going to fall, and who, what, what pick are we going to get from that? Because if we don't hit, I don't see, like, like where, we're, where we're going necessarily. 
that's what this is all about. <laughs> this is why I it know, takes years. <laughs> this is why you have it's to be patient. Like this is why you have to be patient is because it's not. It takes years for this for these things to play out. Like it it is this is not a one and done. Great, let's move on. Like it the this plan takes time. It takes time, and. Yeah, there's a lot of replaceable players on this team. That's why they're not good. That's why they're not a good basketball <laughs> team. Like, you know, like that's that's a part of this. If you have three guys on a team after year one of the rebuild, that's you're ahead of schedule. Like, look back at those Sixers teams after year one, and how many guys on that roster were ready to com- were on the team when they competed. I mean, is it any you know, of them? You know what's you know what's crazy though, and this this kind of scares me because I used to always say like, oh, the the those seventy sixers teams like weren't really developing anyone, like they were just stockpiling, you know these these assets that never really turned into anything. Like as far as like Okafor, you know, yeah. they they clearly drafted Okafor as an asset, hoping yeah. that they could flip him. Yeah, yeah. But you start going back through those Sixers teams, and there were so many NBA players on those teams that just like slipped through the cracks. And it's very funny going back because everyone was focused on at the time was KJ McDaniels. Yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is hilarious in retrospect because mm-hmm. you go down the rest of the guys who are playing for those teams and it is guys like Jeremy Grant or TJ McConnell or Robert Covington. There were so many Rashawn Holmes. Like there were so many future good rotation players and that, that did not and, end up being on the Sixers. And that will happen with OKC too. That will happen because the Thunder have too many picks. They're going to make too many selections. There's going to be guys that don't get their shot here that are going to go elsewhere and be good. That's going to happen. It's it's without a doubt going to happen when you have Teo will Teo will end up on the Spurs and be like their starting point guard in two years. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised by anything by anything because what you're describing is going to happen with Oklahoma City. It's going to happen. And you have to hope that they keep the right guys. But, you know, when they drafted as many bigs as they did, like Rashawn Holmes couldn't play. You know, there wasn't room how, how, to play. How will you spin it when they fall to five or six in the draft? Because that's, that's like all I'm thinking about right now. It was, a, I mean, I didn't try to spin it on draft night. It was a failure. It was not what they, it was not what they wanted. It's not where you want to be. It's just so scary. Andrew, Nobody else wants the, you, to be there either. I mean, the organization didn't want to be there. No, I know. But like we keep talking about the Sixers, the Sixers, because of the odds, like they got a top three pick every single time. Like they got Joel yeah. Embiid, Okafor and Simmons were all top three picks. Yeah. And oh, they did that in three out of four years. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's when you have to, Oh, I mean, eventually if you don't land there, if they don't land there in the next two years and, they need to try to overwhelm somebody with a trade. Like, overwhelm somebody. I don't think that's happened yet. I don't think that that's happened yet. Where they've been yeah. like, we'll give you four unprotected picks to yeah. get the blue chipper. And somebody will fall Somebody will fall for it. I don't know who it is. but it's, uh, And with it being a big draft, you have to hope that they're a team that has a lot of bigs lands at the top and maybe they want to trade back or maybe they just want to take somebody. Maybe they want to take Jaden Ivey like we talked about that. But it's, I mean, there is, there, there's no certain, there's no, I mean, with, with the living in Oklahoma City, having a team in Oklahoma City, there's no certain plan that like this delivers you. I mean, we haven't talked about the Pacers yet, but like the Pacers just tried to just cobble up as many rotation guys and like good to decent players as they could to make a good team. And it doesn't always work. Like it's not working. They even hired somebody they thought was a top five coach in the NBA and it's not working. There's no, there's no guaranteed way for you to, there's no guaranteed path. There's like slivers of, percentage points when you're talking about how teams have made it here the the thing is that like the getting free agents is it's like there's no that's not a path like the path is it's just a cliff and you just fall off it and you die 
Trading. Yeah, you can trade. The Thunder have plenty of assets. They have plenty of young players that they could trade. They could trade Josh Giddy and picks and go get a, a player that's better than Josh today and get better. They could trade for the indie guys. They could go, they could do those things. That could happen. But is your path to even being a playoff team every single year going to be there? I don't know. How long are those guys going to want to stay here? I don't know. It's a riskier path. And then you have the draft path where the draft is largely a crapshoot. You're not, even if you draft in the top three, we talked about the Sixers drafting in the top three. You miss. Sometimes you miss in the top three. There's no guarantees. Like we're talking about like a 33% chance of getting where you want to go. Like the odds are against you in every single path that you take to try to get to where you want to go. It's just that the odds aren't as against you when you go to the draft because you actually have a chance to keep players for a long period of time. They have a good chance to keep Shea for a long time, Josh for a long time. They're going to extend Dort like that's going to happen or they let him go to you know free agency and I'll bet you he'll resign here. Like there's... Like the path is there. And then if you get somebody in 22, you get somebody in 23 and just one of them hits. You don't even have to have, if you hit on both, like, wow. If you hit on one, great. Look where the Sixers are. They just had to hit twice. And really they just absolutely just needed to hit once. You know, like they, it's, it's really the only path if you want to really compete because the other ways to do it are even worse <laughs> than like what you're describing. Like it's even because then you have to oh. rely on other teams making a bad trade basically or whoever is available. And if they're available, how many years do they have left? And if they have only a few more years left, like what are the odds that they want to stay here in Oklahoma city? Do they like shade? Do they like this? Do they, are they, do they like the new park that they put downtown? Like, what do we like? No, they probably don't. They probably like Los Angeles or New York better. So, like, I mean, this is the only way. Like, this is the way. It's just, it, I, I, it, I'm just feeling like more and more pressure as the season goes on because we, we keep talking about the process. Dude, Sam Hinkie had an advantage that OKC just does not have, which is the odds. Yeah, it's true. That kept, that kept them in that top three, which means that whatever the chances that Philly was going to succeed at doing what they were wanting to do, landing a star. Yeah. OKC's is significantly less than that. Yeah. And we talked about how hard that was for Philly to do, like what they had to go through as a franchise, the fact that you sometimes miss in the top three. The odds were stacked against them. Yeah. And our and our odds are even worse. And yet when I when I talk like when you read Thunder fans' opinions, there's this assumption that like Everyone's assuming this is going to work. Yeah. Everyone's working under the assumption that this is all going to turn around at some point. We're not just going to be a good team like the Memphis Grizzlies right now. We are going to be a contender. Yeah. The, that is like the smallest scenario percent chance. It the is. The overwhelming odds are that this doesn't work out if that's, if that's what we think is going to happen. Like if you think OKC is going to be con- a contender, I would say that's like, under 20% chance of happening. The odds are low. The odds are low. It's low for any team, unless you're located in Los Angeles or New York. Or it absolutely is. But I just want to like keep reminding myself and others of that because we get in this habit of like, we have a plan, which is good. Like, I feel great that we have a plan. Yeah. I know what the plan is. We have to have a plan. But the most likely outcome is the plan is not going to work. <laughs> Well, that's been your message for today, for your Wednesday, everybody. No, I mean, yeah, but also the reason that you, I would, I would feel more like you do if they didn't have the stockpile of picks backing it up because you bend the odds a little bit more your way when you have as many assets as they do. So, yes, you, you need things to go a certain way, but having all the assets they do gives you at least one other avenue, one other option, one other way for it to work. Yeah, 
I'm just. If you, I'm, I mean, I'm if, more, you if you don't have them, then no, I, then you really are. It's 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 lottery balls only, only. I I, I completely agree. I'm just. Aren't you down, or, or not as high as you once were on the pick stash as a whole? Like if you actually go through those picks, the way I felt about them, even like obviously after the the SGA Paul George trade, to the way I feel about them now. Like, how many of those picks actually have a chance to be blue chippers? It's it's very small number. I mean, all the Houston picks are top four protected. You're basically throwing everything onto those Clippers picks. Yeah. And if those I mean, Clippers picks don't come through, then, yeah, you have a bunch, you know, the, the Houston picks become the best picks, and maybe they're, you know, somewhere between, like, a 5 and 14 range. But the rest of them are all going to be mid to late first. So, like, yes, I agree with you. I mean, may, maybe. That, I mean, I, I am not a huge believer in the way that Houston's handling their rebuild right now. But again, they're top four protected. Yeah. I mean, they're all protected. I, I understand that. And we just had a team that had the third best odds fall to six. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, yes, those could be the potentially the best, but none of them are. You're, you're not. I, I don't feel right now that any of those picks are like, this has a legit shot to be a top three pick. None of those, either because of the protections yeah. or because the Clippers, I just think, are a really well-run organization with a great coach. And I just don't know if they're ever truly going to bottom out without a catastrophic injury to like both of their best players. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just don't know. I, I'm, I, I can't look at all of those in the future and tell you what they're, what they're going to be and, and how they're going to fall. Like, I'm, I'm not concerned about that at all. And we don't even know if they're going to be selecting somebody with those picks like we may not have all those picks in the next two years oh i i, I they can't so <laughs> they literally can't i mean i'm just draft I, i'm not i don't know i mean i'm not worried about I, i'm not concerned about that i don't even really spend time thinking about that honestly because i mean things change so fast in the nba like you just don't we just don't i mean we honestly just don't have any idea even this year like we don't really know where teams are going to fall or what's going to happen or if Paul George gets hurt and is out for four weeks or if Paul George turns it on and is the MVP of the league like we don't know like I have no idea sure but like dude you can you can look at other teams and say oh I would rather have the Lakers picks that the Pelicans have right now we can all agree on that right you would rather have those Lakers Lakers like the Lakers always just pull a rabbit out of their hat you know no, they they picked in the top three like three years in a row. I know, but they ha- I, they are they are a they are a different organization now than they were during that era. That was when the Bus Brothers were running the team. That's a different team, dude. They're terrible now. The organization. I would disagree, but you li- you liked the Westbrook signing the trade. <laughs> You, th- you thought it was a good fit. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I would want. I think the Lakers picks are going to be middling to not great. That's the say. exact way I feel about the Clippers picks, and it has way more to do about the the, uh, the structure of that organization. Like I just like I like Ty Lue more than I like Frank Vogel. But that's I like but this is why I like you Steve Ballmer like, more is, than Jenny Buss. But this is why you lose though. Because the, and the Thunder have never been reliant, like thinking, sitting back, thinking, "Oh man, these Clippers picks are going to deliver us our franchise." That's what we've been thinking. I've not been thinking that. That's what Thunder fans think. Well, they're wrong. I don't think that. <sighs> I think that those picks were always going to be the icing on the cake <laughs> or the sprinkles. Like they were never going to be what the Thunder relied on to get their next star question is what kind of cake is it going to be by the time we get there andrew man i don't know what happened to you alex <laughs> who did this to you who hurt you i don't know what I'm, happened I, i'm just trying to you're you're like I, loving darius Baisley at the beginning of this podcast and then at the end you're like that was down on like the draft picks i am just like that was flabbergasted was just... i'm flabbergasted by what's happened today no it's more just you know what it is no since we started doing slam and jam I've listened to way less national podcasts mm-hmm. and I've listened to way more local podcasts made by fans. Yeah. And what you invariably find is that every single team thinks they're doing the right thing other than the Kings. 
Like Detroit, if you go listen to Detroit, they're they are very excited about their future. Yeah. Think think that they're going to be a great team. Yeah. Orlando feels that way with all their young guys and ooh, Mo Bamba's playing good now. Like everyone feels this way. And so when you step out of your little bubble of the Oklahoma City Thunder where everything's always going to turn out right, and you realize that every other fan base feels this exact same way about their team, and you realize that the vast majority of them are going to be dead wrong. That's all. That's all, Andrew. We, I'm just trying to be a little bit more realistic. Yeah, I agree, but the Thunder have advantages that a lot of organizations don't have, and that's good ownership and a really good general manager. And those things very much matter. Very, very much matter. Like Orlando, the Kings, who, whoever else, like the track record isn't there. It doesn't exist. I don't do, I, yeah, I mean, Kings. I'm never going to argue about the Kings. Yeah. They're garbage. Yeah, they're bad. I feel so bad. Uh, there was an article on Kings Herald that was just basically, I was supposed to write a uh like an update how are the kings doing this season i can't do it yeah this team is so depressing i'm giving up <laughs> that was one of the most recent articles <laughs> on their fan blog that's that's uh, we talk about and i will say this for oklahoma city another advantage they have i do think they have a very committed engaged fan base which you desperately need and frankly that is one of the reasons why yeah. the national media uh i don't want to say attacks but they talk about okc more because we actually have a plan, we, we believe, we, we talk about it a lot. We're very open about it. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that is a very good thing. And the worst thing you can have as a fan base, which is what this article is talking about with the Kings fans, is apathy. Where, like, yeah. you're not even mad at the team anymore. You're not right. even upset anymore. You're just like, I could do something better with my time. Yeah. I don't need to watch the Kings anymore. Yeah. I mean, having a plan... And not only having a plan, you have the largest stockpile of draft picks in the history of the NBA. And you have a GM and an ownership group that are committed to a plan. You have what is a extremely good culture around these players. Like a bad cultured team would have lost to Detroit. They couldn't have picked themselves back up after the It would have improved their odds is what you're saying? What are you doing, Al? Like, what is going on with you? I just don't understand. Like, there's, this is not, the, the plan was never going to be easy, but you can't ride, you can't ride the wave of everything. You can't tell me that you look at Alperin Shangun and think, if we only had him, everything would be different. Like, Listen, I, I, feel, I feel the same way that I did on draft night. I just felt like there were enough open spots on our roster that why not take a few guys that have higher ceilings just, just because, who cares? Like, just let's just try some of them out. Which maybe you you describe, maybe you maybe you're out there and you're saying, I actually think Trey Mann has a super high ceiling. I think Jerry has a super high ceiling. I don't know that Jerry yeah. has a super high ceiling. I think Trey Mann does. I don't know if Trey Mann will work, but like Trey's been Trey's been impressive for where he was drafted and what we thought he would be. You don't think so? <laughs> what, is, what is wrong with you? You're not watching the games? Like, you're not watching Trey play? Like, he can create space better than probably anybody be, besides Shea on the court. He's competing on the defensive end. Like, what else do you want? No, I, I don't want anything. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to act like I'm sold on Trey Mann because he's playing 10 be minutes a night and he has some any, nice plays. You don't have to be sold on anybody, but, like, these are first-year players. That's what... Yeah, but if you go on Thunder Twitter, it's like... Why then? Maybe you should stay off Twitter. Like the maybe or it's like should. maybe you need Always to look at the answer. list of people that you follow, <laughs> and like you don't need to follow the super fans that are out there just pumping sunshine about every single player. Like, yeah, I you can't fall into those traps. Like, I'm with you that you can't fall into those traps. I'm not. I don't know if Trey Mann is going to be a rotation player in three years. I have no idea. I just know that he's shown like good flashes that have been, and he's he's played well I didn't I didn't know how much he played this year at all honestly and the fact that he's already pushed himself into the rotation like that's a good sign like talking to people within the organization about him and the work that he's put in I there are good signals here you know there are good signals here this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, you know what else is good? What? These Poku packs. <laughs> I've got one right here. Poku. I can't wait. Honestly, I'm, I just have to plan a family vacation just so that I can wear this around. Like, this is like... It, unless you're cool, like I'm not cool, but this is definitely like dad vacation, you know, status, right? Like this one, maybe this one is more of like the dad vacation status. This is another reason why you should be uh, watching on YouTube. Um, this one's pretty cool. It's got the the top where it's got the Poku signature stitched in with the P here. Uh, if you want to get one of these, you can go to shopgoodokc.com and uh, purchase them there. You can also purchase them at any shop good location. There's only two. One is downtown OKC. One is in Chisholm Creek near Edmond. And then on the 16th, at the, down, at the downtown location, 16th of December, Poka will be there signing packs. Signing out, packs. Hanging out. So if you want a chance to meet Poku and have him sign your pack, be there at ShopGood in downtown Oklahoma City on December 16th. It's going to be fun. I will be there as well. So come hang out. Say what's up. Hope you guys, what's up? Hope you guys have a great, great day. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. Andrew, should the Thunder trade for Sabonis? No. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.